0: adjuncts now comprise more than three quarters of all faculty in the U.S. And that is just an astounding number. So here I am. I'm one of the three quarters of these adjunct faculty that's teaching college courses. And here I was just kind of realizing that I could either wait for a tenure track job to kind of fall in my lap or I could take my doctoral degree in instructional leadership and education and do something with
1: Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is Lindsay Padilla. I have today with me Dr. Norman Ng. He is fantastic. You're going to love his unique background and how he's leveraging that to help people become better teachers and make some money online. He's going to teach us about self-publishing today, which is really cool. So he studied marketing as an undergrad, and then he went into education after that. He spent some time in public ed teaching um, and then decided to get an EDD in instructional leadership. And in 2012 is when he started adjuncting. He basically shares a little bit about you know the difference between advertising and teaching and how I love this conversation because it's something I've been basically realizing we all are struggling with is we tend to have a problem marketing ourselves as business owners. And it may have to do with our background in like public education, but there is something about that. So we talk about selling and teaching and marketing just being kind of... the in- There's an intersection of marketing and teaching. And so it's really it was a fun um, conversation. He also taught us a lot about self-publishing. And he shared with us his 3 important steps for doing that. When he started publishing, that's what led to opportunities for him to make money. Universities started to call him um, to share and to do speaking and consulting. And so basically, he was helping professors become better teachers. So you could buy his book right now if you're a professor and in the classroom. Um, and so that's kind of cool, too. So enjoy this interview. I think you'll learn a lot about the possibility of self-publishing and why it might be something you want to add to your business. And you'll also get the nice side of the, the intersection between marketing and teaching, which I thought was such a fun conversation. So enjoy this episode with Dr. Norman Eng. And here we are with another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, I have Dr. Norman Ng. And I'm just really excited to hang out with him and meet him um, and learn a little bit about his story because he is a published author. He's writing about teaching, which I find fascinating because I remember when I was a professor, I was like Googling <laughs> Any anything I could find on the internet to help me do it better. And he has a book that is helping professors all over the country and probably the world. So Dr. Ng, thanks for joining me today.
0: Yeah, thank you, Lindsay. I'm so glad to be here. I think this is a topic that I don't think a lot of academics think much about, mm. especially because, you know, so many of them are publishing with traditional publishing houses, but self-publishing yes. can be a game changer, especially if it's if it's done right.
1: I love it. And yes, you are going to be able to share um, what you're doing with that. And that will be a learning, I think, for a lot of people. But I also definitely want to hear about your how you even found that that was an option. So we'll we'll dig into that uh, in today's episode. So yeah, let's start with your background, your academic background. And if you want to do um, share a little bit about your journey as a professor as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I actually started with an undergrad degree in business marketing, because, uh, ah. you know, I always thought that I wanted to go into advertising. Actually, that's what my parents said I'd be good at. So I <laughs> I followed what my parents said. I went into hey. advertising, but I found out that I didn't want to advertise products that I didn't care about. Ooh. So I ended up switching careers. Uh, I went into education. So I got my master's degree in education. And I taught in the public school system for about five years.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And I wanted to make a broader impact uh, kind of beyond the classroom after five years Mm. or so. And that's what you know, part of it's because, you know, there's so much standardized testing going on in the K-12 world. Um, So I decided to get my doctoral degree in instructional leadership, uh, which Mm. would basically let me kind of shape the next generation of teachers. That's kind of where I thought my bigger impact would be. So I've been adjuncting ever since 2012, uh, teaching education courses and helping undergraduates get their teaching license. Mm. And uh, yeah, and so that's where my academic and professional background came from. From business to K-12 to kind of flipped, higher ed. flipped yeah.
1: for most of my guests, actually. That's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. I love it. When, what made you, I mean, you kind of brushed over it, but I'm kind of curious. So you didn't love marketing in the business world, but you're like, you know what? I'd love to just be in there with like <laughs> students in a classroom.
0: Yeah. It's such a, it's, it's so funny. It's such a, it's two different worlds. And mm-hmm. what's funny is that in both, you know, the one thing I took out of marketing, which and the thing is that I actually love marketing, but it's just that mm. working with clients was not something I wanted to specifically ah. do. working with products that I didn't believe in was something I didn't want to do. But I found like there isn't actually that much difference in advertising versus teaching when you think so of it good. as like, mm-hmm. you know what you are, you know, teaching, you have clients, but the clients are your students. And I think kind of looking at it that way as in, you know what, in advertising, you have to know your target audience. And it's the mm. same way with teaching. And I don't think a lot of professors, and this is something that I talk about in, in my business because I teach teachers as part of my business, and it's that you have to know who you're talking to. So because good. if you don't know their frustrations, if you don't know their pain points, then how are you going to deliver a message that resonates with them? Mm. And so that's why I kind of, I took that part of advertising. I've kind of brought that over to the K-12 world and into the higher ed world as a professor. Um, and so that's really kind of the journey that I took but picking up something along the way, you know? Sure. Makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. And you yeah. know what's funny is what's coming to mind. And I think I've mentioned this in another episode. There's that book to sell is human. I think it's a Daniel Pink book. I That think. is.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember that book so much. You
1: shied it. Oh, perfect. So <laughs> It's a and,
0: great book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would love to hear your perspective on it because I remember when I read that and I was like, Oh okay exhale I'm not a terrible person because right salesmen are gross and icky and you know the car sm- salesman comes to mind and then it's like oh wait in a classroom we're selling ideas yeah. and i'm like that's totally what i did as a sociologist i right. am selling big ideas that they've never thought about before and the persuasive element of how i would design a lecture and like engagement i mean these are all things that really actually happen in marketing in a different way but you know yes I make money off of it which is a whole other conversation um, and one is more for like the quote unquote public good right? right and so um so anyways I'm curious because I get I would I would argue having done this podcast since January and just kind of started to get to know um, a community of academics who've started businesses their number one problem or issue that they are concerned about with business is selling and marketing. Right. So, give us some of that from your book if you don't mind, because I have a feeling your perspective is is hopefully going to shift. You're still in the classroom, you know. You've you've written a book about teaching, but your undergrad work and your you know original like love is in marketing. So, give us right. a little bit um, a- around that topic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what's funny is that I actually, so number one, I did cite um, Daniel Pink's book, um, To Sell as Human, because that really says so much about what not just teachers' roles are in the 21st century, but Mm -hmm. all of our roles in 21st century. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually tell my other professors that I teach about this, but I actually wrote a blog article um, that asked the question the very Ooh. bold question is teaching about selling
1: Ooh. and uh, so I
0: got a lot of responses we will link to that this were for sure. right and I will definitely put a link for that but it really captures both sides because I will have proponents who say absolutely mm. I totally get what you do and what we do every day we have to engage students and who better to know how to To engage people than marketers, marketers. and Mm -hmm. then on the other side of the equation, you have like the purists. What I call the purists, right? These are the academics who are like, you know what, marketing? This is BS. Mm. This is this is you know if you really want to get something across to someone else, you know, it has to be all about the data, all about the research, Mm. and anything else that you try to do to glam it up. That's just extraneous. It shouldn't count. Ah. And so it's so funny because, like, you will—I will never convince those critics no. about teaching no. and that teaching is, in fact, I don't necessarily want to say selling. It's really about communication mm-hmm, in the end, because mm-hmm. that's really what marketing's about. Yep, it's about communication, and that—and that's why for me, being able to kind of start this business that was helping teachers teach, but basing it on the idea of my background, my marketing. And this idea of teaching is about communication. Mm. And that's where I thought that the kind of intersection between marketing and education or teaching, it was perfect for me. Um, and so I think that when you do marketing, it's all about communicating mm-hmm. to the public. Whether it's you call it selling, whether you call it communication, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's trying to get others to change, trying mm. to get others to act Because students don't always want to do nope. (laughs) And that's what it's about. So I love that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And
1: yes, I mean, I think it's funny because... There's some negative connotation, I guess, that's just tied to being yeah. a salesperson. Um, and then, you know, academics love, you know, the prestige and status of our positions and the and and, you know, of course, from a purist perspective, it's like, oh, well, yeah. you know, it's all about the research and the evidence and um I'm the best yeah. person to present but that think, information. I, you
0: know, I think the reality is that that, you know, especially in this age of you know, social media, mm-hmm. or, or you have more and more entrepreneurs that are coming out. And so there, there's this element of you have to sell your work. Ah. And you have to, of course, 100% believe in your work. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, if you put out, and I'll talk a little bit more about this as we get into self-publishing, sure. but you could put out a book that has great research, great data, and really uh, is based on solid evidence. Yep. But if nobody <laughs> hears of it, you won't sell anything. Yeah. And that's really what I'm trying to get a lot of professors to, to really think about, that there is this other, other element that you may not have considered.
1: Mm. But in this
0: day and age, uh, especially in this age of social media, yep. if you cannot put it out there, if you cannot get it in, in front of many more eyeballs, nobody's going to care about your work. Mm. And nobody's even going to see your work. And that's really the bottom line. You don't make that impact.
1: So good. And you know, what's funny is I wonder if academics, because I just remember in grad school being like, (laughs) writing my dissertation and being like, no one is going to read this, but it's accepted. (laughs) Like, it's almost like, it's okay that I'm speaking into this echo chamber and no one is going to read it. And so it's almost like part of the game. But you're right, though, you're bringing up this idea that if your research like, what if it was in multiple hands and not behind these paywall journals? Or what if mm-hmm. it you didn't have to go with, you know, Sage publishing or, or whatever, these, right. you know, these like higher education publishing systems. And what if you were talking to mainstream audiences? Like, what would that mean for you? What would that mean for your life's work? What would that mean for the world? I mean, there's so much in that that it's just funny that we put up with it, basically. And we se- accept that as the reality yeah. when it and when it Truly isn't.
0: Well, there's been so much um, talk or, 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 or just about this whole idea of w- what roles do scholars pe- mm. uh, play in this current. Um, society or economy, especially in this age of kind of political polarization, Mm -hmm. we talk about evidence, how do we make sure that scientific evidence or scientific scholars are being heard more? Mm. And so there's always this interplay between we need to get more involved, we need Mm -hmm. to be more publicly engaged versus the whole peer review system, right? The whole peer review system is we need to be kind of separate from the public Mm -hmm. so that we don't contaminate the evidence so that the evidence speaks for themselves. But the bottom line is that if it doesn't um, get into the hands of the decision makers, the mm-hmm. policy makers, then, then you failed. Doing? Yeah, the <laughs> armchair arm
1: sociologist is what we call it exactly my discipline. That's exactly it, the ivory mm-hmm. tower,
0: mm-hmm. right? So.
1: Mm, yeah. Very good. Okay, so I mean, I could talk about this all day. Um, but Norman, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you starting a business and like what that process was like for you. So you've yeah, been adjuncting sure. for a while for the last six years. When did the business side of things kick into place? Well, I
0: think uh, I think my journey is, is fairly familiar, especially especially because I'm an adjunct. Mm. You know, you've you've been teaching part time. Uh, and you start to realize that, University budgets are tight. So I teach at the City (laughs) University of New York and budgets are tight. And I'm sure it's the same way across many other universities uh, all across the world. And, you know, tenure track positions are shrinking. And the, the pool of adjuncts has become so saturated as in universities are hiring more and more adjuncts to teach so that they don't have to pay full time salaries and benefits, right? And so I, you know, I I heard something like adjuncts now comprise more than three quarters of all faculty in the U.S. Wow. So that, and that's according to, I think it was the American Association of University Professors or Mm. whatever. And that is just an astounding number. Mm. So here I am, I'm one of the three quarters of of, of these adjunct faculty that's teaching uh, college courses. And here I was just kind of realizing that I could either wait mm. for a tenure track job to kind of fall in my lap or I could take my doctoral degree in instructional leadership in education and do something with it. So here's the thing, right? Your listeners they're, you know, they're basically experts in whatever field they studied in, right? But so many of these academics graduate with a PhD or whatever, not thinking beyond going in either going into research or going for a ten-year track job. And I'm thinking, what can I do, you mm. know, that that academics are already doing, but mm. turn it into a business. Mm. And so, you know, where I don't have to strictly rely on the university's income, the teaching part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's when it hit me. Why not publish? Because think about it. That's something that most of us are already doing. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you know, at the time I'd already contributed like, you know, this was back in like 2015. Okay. And I contributed a chapter in a book and mm-hmm. you know, wrote a few journal articles and, and and so forth. But I wanted to publish something practical, something that the public would read. And you had talked about, oh, when you were doing your dissertation, you were just happy just to get that published. And <laughs> right. Regardless of whether or not, you know, how many eye, eyeballs, you know, mm-hmm. read it. So I was at this point where I was teaching for a few years and I wanted to really impact something, but I couldn't necessarily wait for a tenure track job to kind of land. No, yeah. And so that's when I started thinking, what else can I do that academics are already doing? And so that kind of that's when it hit me. That's Smart. when I heard a little bit something about self-publishing, mm. where I could actually publish something that's again practical and that the public would read. Something beyond kind of that you know the esoteric research that nobody reads, like like my dissertation. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and you know, so so that's really um, when it hit me. This idea of of self publishing. I can go a little bit more into that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So tell us, what were some of the because I do like to highlight this too for listeners, what were some of the first moves you made once you're like, okay, idea, no one's really doing this, or, you know, I'm this great conduit for other professors like me to, you know, make some money themselves and get their their research out there. What were some of your first moves to start this business?
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's a hard thing to do. Because I think in academia, that's not going kind of the self-publishing route isn't the way that uh, academics would go. Right. So if you're uh, going for a tenure track job, Mm. uh, you know, you can only really publish with you can only, you know, uh, books that you publish with traditional publishers are the things that really count towards yep. tenure. Yep.
1: Um,
0: if you're self-publishing, not so much. It's Which is ridiculous. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, there wasn't anyone to really follow, at least in the mm-hmm. academia route.
1: Because it was I so found, against the grain. Yeah. That's
0: exactly it. It's something that, that's frankly, it's frowned upon. They're, they're, you know, the first thing they're going to ask is, oh, who's your publisher, right? That's something mm-hmm. that we all people ask all the time. And so I actually had to look outside of the academia route. And I I actually looked at some of the way entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. had um, thought about or used self-publishing as a platform. And what I found was that a lot of entrepreneurs are realizing that they could create or design a book that could be the cornerstone of their business. Mm-hmm. So, whatever it is that they're an expert in, let's just say personal finance or productivity or marketing or online courses, whatever that is, write a book that you want to write mm-hmm. that you know fills a very particular need of your target audience. And then that forms the backbone of your business. A lot of times they say, you know, when you have a book, especially a self published book, because it's based on your timeline, not based on a publisher's timeline. The book actually acts acts as your business card, yep. right? Imagine going into a conference, and I'm sure people have heard this. Um, you know, imagine going into a conference. What do we do? We we exchange business cards. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've actually done is that I'll just if I'm list, if I'm let's just say going to a workshop or I meet someone that I really want to kind of network with, I'll pull out my book and I say, "Here, here's my book. Mm. Um, just take." I just thought that you might be interested in it, and all of a sudden. It just, it puts you ahead of everyone else. Everyone's got these business cards and you've given them a book and it's a free book. And every single time I've done this, and I don't do this a lot, but every time I've done this, it's left a real impact. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Like I I remember um, I was taking a, a, a professional development class at a conference and one of the speakers is kind of in the field that I'm kind of trying to get into. This was last year and I just gave her my book. And she she told me a few days after, she emailed me and said that, Norman, I read your book on the plane, Mm -hmm. and I loved how you just did this. And it was a way to open up opportunities. So Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now, I've built up a network where I'm building that network. I'm opening up opportunities just because I had a book. And it's a book that I wanted to publish as opposed to kind of the book that I think I should publish for the sake of of tenure or because, you know. Publishers are, are, are need that kind of book. This is something that's specifically for your business. So that's really the first step was finding out that entrepreneurs were probably the ones that I look towards mm-hmm. in terms of starting my business, as opposed to what academics have done before.
1: Ooh, this is good. And also the evidence of like... That nothing exists in like right now means, oh, there's a the blue ocean of like a service that we can provide. There's a need. There's pain behind the academic who has knowledge and expertise and experience that maybe they're not. They're getting turned away by publishers or right. they never saw, you know, whatever the reason may be, but, you know, not everyone is able to do that. And so, you know, you're really answering or solving, a, you know, somewhat of a problem um, for the academic yeah. and. And that's what we do in business.
0: I I mean, I I think that probably is the biggest thing is this stigma, because, Mm. you know, back in the old days, when people used to self-publish it, they called it vanity publishing.
1: Ah, Um, And it was kind
0: of looked down upon. And it's this, I I think, especially in the field or in the industry of the scholarly industry, there is kind of that stigma. There isn't that much of a stigma if you go to like business, for example. No, no. but and and so I think that's the kind of the biggest thing. But I will say that, uh, like I said, your listeners out there who who are AMB, mm-hmm. they're already kind of in that mindset of you know it's what true. I want more control mm-hmm. over the direction of my life. And self publishing, which I'll get into a little bit more later, is exactly that—you get to control every part of it, mm. uh, especially if you want to design it towards making it kind of the cornerstone of your business.
1: Yeah. So I'd love to get a little bit into your business model right now, if you don't sure. mind, like, you know, so you're looking, you're seeing entrepreneurs write these books. They're using it as a form, as a, as a business card. It's establishing credibility, uh, you know, around potentially your niche and your audience. What does your business look like? Are you doing consulting? Are you, you know, yeah. What is, what is your business uh, sure. operation look like?
0: Yeah. So, so, Everything starts from the book, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, so so back in January 2017, I launched my uh, book, which was independently published, mm-hmm. and that led to opportunities. Like I found, and I had marked, because of my kind of my marketing background, and, and I talked with other people who had done this before, um, I really marketed that book. It instantly became a best, I don't want to say instantly, but in a couple of weeks, it became a bestseller in its category. Awesome. And I realized that I had something. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I started getting um, contact from universities who are interested ah. in bringing me in, and again, this is what I'm talking about, right? Yep. We can you can leverage that um, that opportunity based on the book. The book brings mm-hmm. so many things. As a matter of fact, I actually had a friend today who, who I've been helping self-publish, mm-hmm. and he told me that um, he he published his book, and then all of a sudden he got a call from someone who's doing he 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 works in like the mortgage or lending industry. And he got a phone call from someone from Stanford and or whatever, saying that they're doing some sort of AI project where they're trying to automate the mortgage industry or whatever. Oh, and interesting. And they wanted to talk to him. That's mm-hmm. the point. And so that's, yep. that's, that's what I was trying to say. But anyway, getting back to um, kind of the business model. Sure. Everything started with the book. All right. The book was what started all. And then yep. based off of that, it kind of moved into more of the, um, a little bit of consulting, but, but, but really more about um, speaking engagements by so universities that wanted me to come in and work with the faculty. Let's just say like a full day workshop yep. to kind of help them plan. How do you teach? Uh, because yep. that's what i my whole business is about is how to help professors become more effective teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so universities would bring me in. So that's one part. Uh, That's the second part after the book. The third part is one-on-one coaching. Uh, Mm. I've had uh, uh, professors through my book because they know um, the value that I provide with my book that I could actually work with them one-on-one. So that's a a third part of it. The Mm -hmm. fourth part of the book, uh, the fourth part of the business is actually online courses. Mm -hmm. I realized that um, the book could be turned into an online course. Um, because it's much more immersive, much mm-hmm. more hands-on, and plus you get access to, you know, a community of, of, of learners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's actually a new part for me. I actually just launched my course um, for teaching um, awesome. higher ed this year. yeah. And so that's really I- – I'm, I'm probably going to continue writing books to build off of the whole self-publishing thing. But mm-hmm. the idea is it starts with the book, which leads to opportunities like speaking engagements and then the online course. That's so really good. and plus the coaching, of course. Yeah, and so yeah, that's yeah. really kind of the business model that I have right now.
1: That's really great. So yeah, let's dive into a little bit about yeah, yeah. the self publishing and how it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so I'm I'm sure listener your listeners are, are you know asking the question okay like what is the big deal about it? Can it really mm. help? Is this something that's for me? And I, I think the best way to start is to really talk about um, what is the major some of the major problems of traditional publishing Mm. as compared with self publishing. I think some of it is a bit obvious, right? For first thing is that you're with traditional self with traditional publishers, like, you know, Random House or Pearson or or, or whoever, you're at the mercy of publishers, right? We all know this, you write a book because you have to publish or perish, right? (laughs) And so, you know, uh, uh, but it's something that you have to do. But the question is, how much do we make off of one mm. book? and this <laughs> mm-hmm. I know for 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 listeners out there this is a big deal because if you're thinking about making the transition from let's just say academia to um, your own business or even if you just have it as a side business, mm-hmm. um, that's a question. How much can you possibly make off of that now, it varies widely how much you make, okay, but I know many, many professors and you know I've done searches for this as well, probably make maybe a few hundred bucks a year mm. from one i'm just talking about one book of course if you have many books mm-hmm. even if it, they it force
1: their costs. students to buy it right
0: exactly <laughs> because what happens is that you know i heard something like uh, an, an average book an average academic book uh, makes no more than about let's just say 200, 200 sales Jeez. 200 sales in a lifetime i'm not even wow. talking about a year in a lifetime so sad so, so sad. if you are not marketing and a lot of these in the, a lot of these publisher traditional publishing houses don't do a lot of marketing for you. What ends up happening? You put the book out there, nobody buys it. Nope. So here's the deal, right? Let's just kind of start with the money part of it. Um, With Mm. traditional publishers, you earn around five to 15 cents out of every dollar you make. Right. We're talking about like the publishers and whoever the publishers have to pay off 85% to 95%. So you only keep that five to 15% out of every dollar that you make. So, on average, let's just say that's a dime. That's really what we're talking about. So, if your book retails for $25, okay, and you sell 200 copies a year, like we talked about, that's actually not (laughs) all that bad. We're talking about 500 bucks a year. Okay, that's mm-hmm. pretty typical, maybe even pretty decent for many people. But keep in mind, that's not counting the advance that you get, right? We all get an oh, advance, yeah, uh-huh. right? So if you're publishing with a traditional publishing house, let's just say you get like a $5,000 advance, right? They, they um, Advances range anywhere from $1,000 to $10,000, depending on how famous you are. But let's just say mm-hmm. you get $5,000 advance. That means if you make 10% gross royalty off of a $25 book, that's $2.50. Okay. So you need to sell 2,000 copies just to break even, right? That's what an advance is, wow. right? They give you that $5,000 advance, but you better make that money back. And anything on top of that, that's the profit. But you have to sell wow. $2,000, I'm sorry, 2,000 copies based off of getting a royalty of $2.50 just to break even. Now, 2,000 copies is a lot oh. because what did we say before? A lot of faculty, you're, it you're is lucky lot, yeah. if you can sell like several hundred copies a year. So mm-hmm. that's why mm-hmm. um, publishing in general, especially with a traditional publishing house, it's not really a profitable way to go unless you become famous or you hit it big time, right?
1: It's so funny. I just had a flashback when you said... Um, five hundred dollars a year or something, and and this is hilarious. And I whatever someone can report me or something like that. But I had a flashback to being a young adjunct and getting all my free textbooks sent to my office, and the ones I didn't use, I resold on Amazon. And <laughs> these are clearing like a hundred bucks, man. And, <laughs> yeah. and of course, every semester the people would come around. The signs would be up that says. You reselling on Amazon hurts the professor, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> totally... And then here you are telling me that they don't even actually make that much. They no, make no, no, no. It hurts the publisher. It doesn't hurt the professor. <laughs> but it's so funny because I'm like, I made a lot of money doing that. Yeah. Not not too bad. I didn't have to write anything. No, I
0: I, I know. A lot of it, <laughs> yes. It, it definitely, like, the publisher, of That's course. That's the
1: hypocrisy yeah. of the
0: industry and, yeah. like, what it's become, essentially. And and honestly, this is exactly why self-publishing can be another route you know, mm-hmm. if you look at the, like, think about it. We just talked about you, you'll be lucky if you make like several hundred bucks. But what yeah. if instead I told you that you could be earning over $2,000 for the exact same book and selling the yep. same number of copies? Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, instead, you know, $2,000 versus a few hundred bucks. That's the difference between traditional publishing versus self-publishing or what they prefer yep. to be called is independent publishing. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when you publish on your own, you can keep up to 70 percent. Nice. So that's a huge difference. And of course, this ranges. Depends if you if you self-publish a, a, a
1: paperback. Is book, this like if the- you're selling through Amazon? That's Is exactly that what you mean. It. Like, if you go
0: through, let's just say Kindle. Um, Amazon has a platform called Kindle Direct Kindle Direct Publishing, and mm-hmm. um, you can earn up to 70 cents out of every dollar that you sell. Um, but if you do like paperback, which is a little higher, um, overhead, you know, there's less like 40% or something like that, but you can make up to 70% if you write and self publish an ebook, but except Mm -hmm. this time you get to control everything, right? That's Mm -hmm. the big difference. You decide, you know, exactly how to, uh, what to write, how to write it. You get to create the cover and the title and you get to distribute it and market the book and even whatever, yep. translate the book. You get to make it an ebook, a paperback or an audiobook, which is three times kind of three potential revenue streams. And that's where my business really took off. It was understanding that with self publishing, if you're that kind of personality, you're very diligent and you're willing to put in the work for it, that it could be potentially a, a significant source of passive income. I don't want to say completely Mm. passive because there's a lot of upfront work, but I'm reaping the benefits of it month after month, after month, after month, Yep. right? We're talking about- On the back
1: end too, uh, because of the leads and like, if you trace the ROI of like, yeah, handing the book to someone, someone finding you and directly relating that to, who knows, $5,000 speaking gig or something like that. I mean, that's huge ROI. That's exactly- Not even directly from the sale of the book.
0: It's both Mm -hmm. ends of it. And and it's hard Mm -hmm. to do that- when you are giving all the control to the traditional publishing houses. Mm -hmm. I mean, traditional publishing houses, you you really can't do anything with it. If you want, uh, you know, with some copyright rules, you can't even put up a page from your own book on Facebook, I've heard, somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, if you need it translated, you got to go through the publisher. Mm -hmm. If you want to get your book, uh, you know, if someone wants to use a quote from your book, go through the publisher, right? You barely own any of the content of your work. In fact, you don't. The publisher owns yeah. your work. And so you can't decide on the title of the book. You can make suggestions, mm-hmm. of course, right? But in the end, the ultimate decision goes to the publisher, right? You, you don't design yeah. your cover. Uh, and if you take a look at actually a lot of the covers that are designed for academic books um, that are done by traditional publishers, they're hard They're Mm -hmm. terrible.
1: Because they're not related to marketing. They're not.
0: They're not thinking (laughs) from the marketing perspective. They're Mm -hmm. just, they're academic books and they look horrible. And so that's Mm. really, um, especially if you have that personality, you're very kind of savvy, you're motivated, you're very Mm -hmm. diligent, you could really make a, uh, a pretty significant income. Assuming that your topic is on point and it resonates with your target audience, mm-hmm. it could be a significant source of income, at least to help, at the very least, to help you finance whatever it is that you want to do in your yeah. business. Right. That's actually what mm-hmm. I did. I took my first several checks and then just used that and reinvested it back Plug into it back the business. In. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly I it. I love it. Yeah.
1: I love that because this show is all about how do we take our academic skills and translate it out in the entrepreneurial world for profit. And, you know, and for impact. And here you are going, Hey, this is broken. <laughs> um We could talk about where we think the publishing, you know, industry is headed. But, you know, this is broken. Here's this, like, perfect opportunity for people who know how to write books, um, who can do them well, and, and who might be bothered by the i don't know if it's it's not really red tape but the bureaucracy yeah. behind like the the yeah someone else being in control of the output essentially and right. not so much you right. and that's and and so i love it i think i think what you're doing is amazing
0: i mean to be to be honest that you know at the same time i i have to say that this is not you know the self-publishing route is not an easy way to go meaning that sure. if you're the kind of person that only wants to just do the writing that's all you care about mm-hmm. then maybe mm-hmm. self-publishing isn't the way to go because that because right sense. because yeah. publishers take care you know supposedly they take care of everything else well in supposedly. fact they do they'll take the cover <laughs> right, right? Yeah. they'll come up with the title they'll come up with the price the distribution mm-hmm. the marketing which by the way is very little you should know that yeah, now is, and
1: isn't it not like as current as the marketing yes, that, you know, yeah. you and I, mean, I are paying attention honestly, to Honestly, this is
0: what they'll tell you. They'll basically say, how many Twitter followers do you have? How many Facebook mm-hmm. uh, friends do you have on Facebook? Put out this link. That's re- That and sending out your information about your book to their subscribers, that's about all mm-hmm. they do. They won't do mm-hmm. anything else. Why? Because it's just not – honestly, they're going to save their time and resources for the ones who are going to make money. And usually those are the big-time authors. So that's really, Mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of adjuncts and just professors in general, scholars in general need to realize that there is an upside, um, but there's a big downside.
1: There's a little bit Um, of a downside. And and right
0: now, the only other upside to kind of traditional publishing houses is is prestige, right? Because, you know, Mm, especially in that world, if you work for an R1 institution, you know, prestige Mm -hmm. is a big deal. But other than that, like I said, if you are listening to this podcast, you are already thinking beyond that. You're thinking about how to build the business. Um, and so I can, you know, and the market, honestly, the market for self-publishing, it's only getting bigger. Yep, it's huge. Yep. Now I, I heard like, you know, what's that famous book? Ch- Chicken Soup for the Soul or whatever that started that was oh, a yeah. self-published book. Um, yep. And, and so now it's evolved. Self-publishing has evolved mm-hmm. so much that there are actually services that take care of a lot of the things that maybe a lot of yep. professors don't want to take care of. So if yep. you're, if you're not that good at let's just say marketing you can hire a full service team to take care of the book cover to do your editing to do your formatting whatever Mm -hmm. um and so now it's Mm -hmm. gotten very competitive that you can actually pay someone to do it but still maintain complete control of it it. yeah yeah
1: and i'll say this there are some crappy books out there oh yeah (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's I remember the the funny part is I remember coming into this space and being like, oh, like lots of entrepreneurs are writing books. And I like started to download them and they're giving them away for free on Amazon for reviews, which is great. I'm selling them for a dollar. And then I was just like, you know, coming straight out of academia. And I'm like, this is a blog post or an email, essentially. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I like,
0: yeah, I think this it's, isn't a book. That's ab- <laughs> that's absolutely right. I, I think you know, kind of in the in the um the the early stages, right? Of yeah, the, of, yeah. Of, of self-publishing. Like I said, when it came from vanity. I'm um, um, mm-hmm. publishing a lot of it. Was just let me just design my cover on Microsoft Paint. Yeah, exactly. you know, and yep. put together a title, throw it out there, give it for free, just exactly as you said. And they're horrible. The truth is, it, a lot of it actually still exists. I, I read and mm-hmm. I heard another figure, like maybe 50 percent of self-publishers never, you know, make sell more than a couple hundred copies of their book yeah. because they don't know the proper kind of way to do it. There's a certain method that you have to follow. And yeah, and and, you know, and I can talk about- To getting
1: the reviews and and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I I also want to point out, I guess- from the, you know, the academic entrepreneur's perspective is like, you guys, we know how to write. And like, <laughs> some of these entrepreneurs don't. And so it, it, it's not that they don't know how to write, right. but they come from just like a different way of there writing. Is. I think, and, that's and, and
0: I'm gonna, and I'm gonna us, pick on what you said for a second, because the truth sure, is, please. is that, that I've seen scholars who, you know, they write so scholarly that they don't actually bring it oh, down yes. to kind of the the, the public yes. audience, so to speak.
1: And yeah. that is a yeah. skill. Yeah, I think it's more like we know how to write. And maybe, maybe it's just because I was never, I never saw myself as that kind of academic or right. scholar, but, um, but it's true that like the scholarly language and our language that we use, yes, we have to like, you know, bring that down. How can we explain it better? But once we figure that right. out, we our research, the way we construct things, the um, you know, the the way we get information, you know, down and yeah. boiled down into like its core thing, we do that yeah, well. I agree, and it's not in this like very social media like blog posty type yeah, of way, very which is fine, yeah. but it's professional. I think that was the word I was you looking know, for. So yes, it's it. you you're, both abs- of those you're absolutely
0: sure. right. I, I think um. One of the one of the problems that a lot of entrepreneurs had was just as you said, is that they aren't used to writing. And so many yeah. of them, you know, come into this space thinking, you know what, they have this kind of mental block, you know what, I'm not a writer, how, how, how do I and for them, mm. convincing them to write was a big deal convincing professors to write on their own, you know, for self-publishing, that's not a hard thing. It's just getting over the issue of prestige publishing versus their own publishing versus independently publishing. But for them, it's an easy transition. That's why I wanted to kind of talk about the, how can, how can you kind of, you know, grow your business by, by Mm -hmm. self-publishing, by independently publishing, as opposed, in other words, I'm just changing the medium, so to speak.
1: That's it. Yeah. You know,
0: as opposed to through traditional publishers.
1: So I I have a question about where, you know, of course you had the marketing interest and background. Where did you learn how to like do business? (laughs) Like where did you, were you going to any sort of online mentors or, you know, buying your own courses or getting into masterminds or something like that to learn how to build a business? Okay, cool. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think
0: like everyone else, when you're, even though I've had a background in marketing, but that was Mm -hmm. well over you know, 15 years ago. Sure. <laughs> and so the basic foundation is there, but I'm not going to know things like SEO, yeah, you know, stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I did exactly what you said. I joined mastermind groups. I went to different communities cool. of those who wanted to self publish. Mm-hmm. And these okay. were people that are, come from all walks of life. Anyone from business to, to, you know, uh, fitness instructors, yeah, to, spiritual to professors teachers, or whatever. Yeah, and so you have all mm-hmm. kinds of people coming in, Asking each other questions Mm -hmm. about what is the best way to kind of, let's just say, market my book, to get it formatted, to what's the best cover. And so I would test out these things. Like, for example, I'd have a, you know, I, I created a couple of different covers And I would actually uh, post that as a poll on my on Mm -hmm. my Facebook mastermind group, not my group, Mm -hmm. but uh, one of these self-published groups and ask them, what do you think? Which one would you pass by? Which one of these covers would you just kind of skim through and say, oh, you know what? That catches my attention. And so um, kind of using those resources. I also yes, I absolutely took online uh, classes. Some of them Mm -hmm. were good. Some of them were crap, to be honest. Um, And so it was all about kind of finding the resources that's out there. And I think actually online courses and these mastermind groups were probably two of the biggest ones. Books too, as well. I definitely bought books on that. There's nice. a great um, website um, by mm-hmm. Dave Chesson and he's what's called the, uh, on, uh, the Kindlepreneur, right? Mm. <laughs> he, he's someone <laughs> name. who writes eBooks and for a living, um, mm-hmm. he actually talks about how do you break into this kind of field of self-publishing by publishing an eBook on Kindle and uh and so that's something i recommended. so i definitely followed him i followed many others who are experts in in this kind of in the independent publishing world and that's kind of how i built the marketing side of it or the business side of it got it yeah that's really helpful so you know i've i've so I, what i thought would be helpful um mm-hmm. was to kind of give maybe i could um you know give what i thought was kind of the three most important steps that kind of sure. will take um professors or, or, or your listeners um, through kind of self-publishing. And these are fairly broad, of course, because everything's going to depend on the person. Um, yeah, if I could, I could just kind of give, yeah, what, what did do I it. do? The three most important steps were the three most important things that I learned to kind of get my book independently published. So the first one was, if you plan to kind of make your book the cornerstone um, or have it, you know, launch your business, you have to think about who you're serving. Right. So it's not just about publishing your research, which is kind of the typical mindset, you know, when you publish your, you know, with a traditional publishing house, right? Take your dissertation and turn it into a book. Right. Mm. And so you're not thinking about your audience. You're just thinking about publishing, you're just wondering which publisher will take me. That's number one. And number two, you're thinking about, you know what, I just want to get it published and out there because it's going to count on my C V. Right. Mm. But you're not necessarily thinking about who you're serving with. A self-published book, especially if it serves as the cornerstone of your business, the number one thing that matters is does it help somebody, right? You mm. have to be really clear about your work, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. So the content is the most important thing, meaning does it serve my audience? Does it solve some sort of a pain point that they have some sort of frustration that they have? That's number one. And I think for mm-hmm. a lot of honestly, for a lot of academics. I think that's a big mindset shift. You are not necessarily thinking about, you know, what I have all this data, I have all this research that I want to, that I want to publish. No, you're thinking about kind of kind of think of it as um, what is it backward design. You're thinking from mm-hmm. the end. You're thinking about okay, so good. What is something that my readers want to know about? And I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Like, for, let me take me for an example. When I was writing my book, I knew that as a novel as a novice professor. It was really hard teaching at the higher ed level, right? I, of course, was lucky because I'm an education background, but I actually researched the market for higher ed instruction. And I realized, and I didn't really think about it at the time, most professors never learn how to teach, <laughs> mm, right? That, that explains so, so much. True. Most professors never learn how to teach. You're an expert mm-hmm. or in, with a PhD in chemistry or English lit or whatever, but that doesn't mean you know how to teach. And so nope. I researched that area and I found a lot of demand. I found professors who were like, what's the best way to do PowerPoint? Yep. How do I make yep. sure that students don't fall asleep? They were asking questions like that on Quora, on, on, on forums, all over the internet. And so I knew that there was a demand. There was a frustration that could be solved. There was a market. Mm. So that's what I'm saying, right? If your reader, if your listeners are thinking about self publishing, the first thing is what is a need that you could solve? And here's one very concrete way that I can help in terms of helping them find out. Here's what I would do. Okay. I would go on Amazon. Okay. Type in your topic, whatever topic that you're an expert in or that you want to help your help customers with your clients with just type in that topic. It could be personal finance. If you're, let's just say if you, if you're a professor of finance or whatever, type that into the search bar. And then what happens is that you're actually going to see if there are a lot of books on that topic. All right. Now, Mm -hmm. what if there's a lot of books on that topic? That's a good thing right? Yep. Competition is a good thing because you might be thinking, oh my God, there's so many books out there. Why should I write a book about personal finance when there's so many books out there on on, on this exact same topic? That's actually a good thing. The worst thing is if there's nothing on the topic that you think you mm. want to you build your business around because that means that there's no demand. So that's important, right? That first thing that you have to do is to check to see if there is competition. And then the second thing I would do is, If there is competition, check their reviews. Mm. Check your competitors' book reviews. You know how when you go on Amazon, the bottom, right, you see all those book reviews? And here's what I would do. I would actually go filter the reviews by three-star reviews. You know how on on Amazon, you have one star to five stars, right, for reviews? I would actually filter it to see, read only the three-star reviews. Why? Because those are the most honest reviews that aren't overly negative, or overly positive, right? Because sometimes, you know what, if I have a book, I'm going to get my family members to give me five star reviews, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs>
1: right? And of create course, Amazon accounts that to just. That's
0: exactly <laughs> it, right? We, we all they're get good. this, right? And at the same time, yeah. like you don't want to look, there's no point in looking at one star reviews because a lot of times mm-hmm. they're overly negative. Maybe they just don't like your author voice, maybe you just don't like your, your position or whatever. So, three star reviews, what do they do? They tend to give you kind of the honest feedback, what was good about the book and what was not so good about the book. So here's where you could really differentiate yourself from the competition. Find out what the negatives were for your competitor's books, write them down. Those are the things that you address in Mm. your book. So that's a huge, huge thing. Great. So that's that's kind of the first thing that I learned um, with self-publishing. The second thing I actually learned was no surprise the marketing part, right? Mm-hmm. This is the part that professors don't aren't always thinking about, but if you don't package it the right way, then it doesn't matter. And I found mm-hmm. that there were five things that lead to book sales and it all has to do with marketing. The most important thing is book title and book cover, ah. right? Yep. And again, are we as authors, when we publish books with traditional publishing houses, are we thinking about the book cover and the title? Nope. No, we're not thinking about those things, right? But in self-publishing, book title, book cover, and maybe a price, those are the most, imp- those are two most important things, the absolute most important things, right? Think about it, right? What do you do? Like when you, when you are looking for a book online on Amazon, the first thing you do, let's say you type a topic or you type the book what happens? A bunch of books pop up, like 20 books pop up. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then how do you find out which book to click on? You're looking based on first impressions. You're looking based on the title of the book and how the book look. And remember each book is a small, you know, thumbnail size. So your book better be easy to see. And that's how I think about it is that you have to actually make your book title and your book cover very noticeable. And then the other things that you have to worry about, book descriptions and reviews. Is that, does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, that, that's really what it's about is that you have to think about the process that um, browsers go through when they go through mm. Amazon, right? Here's yep. the third most important thing that I learned. After the marketing part, which is the book title, the cover, your price, the book description, the final most important thing that I learned is book reviews. You have mm-hmm. to cultivate book reviews, And again, that's not something that academics necessarily think about, right? How many of my colleagues have books that are published, they're on Amazon, they're traditionally published books, and they have how many reviews? They have like two, three, and maybe they're all Mm. written by their colleagues. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a a problem. And here's the thing that a lot of academics don't necessarily know. Amazon requires that if you want Amazon to start promoting your books, you have to get a lot of reviews. And I'm talking about like 20 reviews, 30 reviews, Mm -hmm. 40 reviews, 50 reviews or more. If you look at my book teaching college, I have, I think as of this point, like somewhere close to hundred reviews and that's been kind of cultivated. And once you hit a certain threshold, I don't know what that exact number is. A lot of people will say it's somewhere in the twenties, at least a minimum of 20, 25 reviews. Amazon Mm -hmm. starts promoting your book for you. They'll start mentioning your book in their email blasts to their subscribers and that or it might or your book might pop up in the hot new list section or, you know, that section that says customers who 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 looked at this book also bought this book. Your book might appear there as well. And so that's what I'm talking about. Reviews matter. It mm-hmm. massively, massively matter. And so I think the best way to do this is that you have to kind of create a team of people who will agree to kind of help read your book and leave an honest review. So those are probably, I would say, the three most important things that I that I learned. You know, that you have to have a book cover, that you have to have a title that actually resonates with people. You have to have reviews, right? Mm-hmm. So these are kind of the things that, that, that I found, that I learned as a, self, as a self-publisher.
1: Super actionable stuff, Norman. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. It's, it's, I know it's way, probably way too much, but no, no, no. I don't (laughs) think so at all because
1: I, I, and especially because I think this business can relate just, just like I've said in the podcast, this relates so much to the world that we kind of know. So you're kind of spinning it on its head and it's like so perfect. So I, I love it because you're telling us, oh, yeah. So you're not going to get paid through the traditional route or it's not, you know, you gave us the downsides and then it's like, and here's the three things that are different. And when you look at it, it's not, it kind of makes sense because we're all consumers. (laughs) Like we're academics and consumers. So I look at this going, Oh yeah, of course the book title matters. Of course reviews matter because I'm on Amazon all the time and I make purchases. So you're telling us what we know deep down, but then showing us a a way to do business that I think an academic could easily, you know, jump into. So I think it's it's amazing.
0: Yeah and and I think um a lot of your listeners probably also want to know like you know Norman how did you you do with with kind of self-publishing? And mm-hmm. and I've I've put out two books through self-publishing. I'm actually working on my third one. But cool. the first book is the one that I can talk about, really. You know, since I put it out in January of uh, 2017. So just in the year okay. 2017 mm-hmm. I earned about twenty six thousand five hundred, nice. just from that direct one book.
1: sales of that book, or is that also the yeah, back end? This stuff? is the royalties off of, of that the book. One book. Now Amazing. I'm not talking about
0: profit because, of course, sure. you know if you if you hire, let's just say a, a formatter, a proofreader, mm-hmm. an editor, all that kind of stuff, you take away a certain amount. And for every person that depends on on, on you, could do it yourself or you could farm it out to somebody mm-hmm. else. But the bottom line is that you won't get that kind no. of income. No. Uh, from traditional publishing houses, you'd have to sell many, 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 mm-hmm. many more copies simply because of the royalty rates. Yeah. And so if done right, just imagine in one year, you could be earning, let's just say 25,000 plus. And this year I'm slated just from this one book alone, this very same book over 40,000. That's a nice little chunk of change yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that you could use. And so if your um, listeners are kind of thinking about how can I finance a new business or kind of transitioning mm. business, this kind of whether it's 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 that you make within the year could easily be used as just side income yep. or used to reinvest back in their business. And mm. I think that's really the beauty of what self-publishing can do because it just keeps coming in every month based on the royalties. Yeah. And that's that's really kind of that passive income that. I think all of us could use a little love. of
1: course. Well, now you got me wanting to get my book out there now faster. I just had, I just (laughs) gave a talk this weekend and someone's like, Oh, so do you have any books? And I was like, no. And I'm like, I will. Uh, Or I said, not yet. I think is what I said, but we'll
0: talk about this. We can (laughs) certainly talk. Well, I, you know, I, I, I I kind of put this out there because, you know, if people are interested, I I haven't, you know, kind of documented my steps. Um, you're actually the first one I, I spoke to just kind of about just to talk about this journey. Oh, cool. Um, But if people, you know, whether it's um, listeners, readers, whoever are interested, I'll kind of, I'll put something up.
1: Oh, that would be Um, amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. That kind of actually details the step by step. I think that'll be useful. Yeah. Because I really want to make sure that we all just kind of, we're not locked into that academia route, mm-hmm. if that's not where we want to go. Mm-hmm. you
1: know, So good. Yep. Awesome. Um, I love to end thinking about advice or anything that you wish you would have done differently at the beginning or any tips for someone kind of venturing out to starting a new business besides starting with a book. <laughs> but what what is some advice that you would give someone going out on the edge or out of the academic institution and looking to get into entrepreneurship?
0: You know, that's a that's a tough one. And the reason why I say that is because I think part of it is, is you have to have a certain person. There's no question that you have to have a certain personality, meaning ah, that you're willing true. to fail and mm-hmm. kind of fail fast. I think one of the advantages that we, and when I say we, I mean us in the kind of the world of academia have is that background in research and I think that really helps kind of de-risk sure. going into creating our own business, mm. Like, as in we won't go into a business until we've done all the research <laughs> and know that it'll succeed. Mm-hmm. right? So I have other friends who've kind of gone into this world and just haven't done that. Well, why? Because they haven't done the research mm. behind it. But I know that before I wrote my, before I went into self-publishing, before I wrote my book, I did all the research about self, not all the research, but as much research as I could about Mm self-publishing. And so I think that's one of the things that um, we have an advantage in. So if you don't know, here it is. Make sure that you do the research behind whatever it is that you want to do as much as possible.
1: Mm -hmm. Because
0: once you, the more you know, the more you de-risk the process of, of, or the likelihood of failing. Um, so for me, that's a Great really one. big one. I would say the second advice I would give is to follow those who've done it. Yep. I mean, you know, listening to this podcast is, of course, one of the big, big things. Um, but whoever's in your particular niche, follow them. Yep. So if you want to, um, let's just say, start an online course in personal finance, find someone who's done that mm, already. Yep. Uh, because the truth is this... N- everything that I've said today, you think I made this up? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. You know, I went through the process myself, Mm -hmm. the trial and error, but at the same time, I've also learned from many entrepreneurs who've Mm -hmm. done the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so what I'm doing is not brand new. Self publishing has been around for many, many years. It's just hasn't, it's just starting to kind of catch on in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say find that kind of mentor, whether it's an entrepreneur, or whether it's someone in the scholarly community who've done this already and just follow them, email them, get their advice, take them out to coffee, whatever, um, and then pick their brain. Because the worst thing to do is probably try to figure everything out on their own. Yes. In fact, in fact, I'd say um, it's probably the easiest way to frustrate yourself mm. and never actually do anything. Yep. Um, yeah. So I would say try to find someone who's done it before and just f- follow their blueprint.
1: Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, and I was thinking about the market research piece. Uh Pat Flynn's book Will It Fly is kind of a, a cool book that takes you through the the types of questions you should be asking about creating a new product in a market and if it doesn't fly, like he the work the process he takes you through, it's like okay, cool, it was just that idea that isn't going to work. That kind of thing. So, that's kind of got yeah. a great little blueprint for you too.
0: Makes sense. See, he he definitely, you know, talks about a lot about this idea of um getting, uh, making sure that you're, you know, road testing your product and making sure that it will actually, you're almost trying to, you're almost in a way guaranteeing success by kind of testing it first before you actually put out the whole thing. And so, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Market research. That's what it's all about.
1: Right. All right, Norman. So where can people find you if they want to ask you more questions, get your book, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, so pretty much everything you can go to my to my website um normaneng.org not .com mm. um, but normaneng.org that's actually where you could see my business itself mm-hmm. um, but what I'll probably is to what I'll probably do is try to put up a link there if people are interested in kind yeah. of finding out more about the, um, uh, the self-publishing. Uh, right, the self-publishing Perfect. or or you know the ex- exact steps that I use um, I'll try to put put something up soon. I'll, I'll kind of gauge the audience interest and if it's something that I get a lot of positive feedback Mm -hmm. for, I'll definitely put something out. Uh, for everyone. But um, normaneng.org, that's definitely um, the place to go in terms of if you want to take a look at what are what's my business model? What are the things that I'm offering? Um, mm-hmm. Just as an example for your listeners, that would be amazing. Or maybe if they actually really want to learn how to teach. You never know, right? Like they, <laughs> yeah. they, They're
1: both. They, they, Absolutely. Yeah, they it's there as both well. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Norman, this has been really fun. And man, I just want to write a book now. Um, you're like the another awesome, I don't know, reason to do it, but thank you we'll, so much we'll for be sharing in touch, everything. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> thank you so much
0: for, for just having me um just kind of give the opportunity to talk about this. Like I said, this is the first time I've really had a chance to talk about it because the so whole cool. time it's always been just me going through the process. Mm. And actually me just being able to talk about it. For me, just clarifies so many things. Yes. And hopefully, 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 um, it'll help um, somebody that's listening here um, to kind of go out and just start publishing their own work in the way that they want to do for their business.
1: I love this. I think people are going to want to hire (laughs) you. Perfect.
0: (laughs) Thanks so (laughs) much, Lucy.